You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey everyone, welcome to the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Jay Harrison G., who just recently came out of Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. Unfortunately, Mrs. Doubtfire closed, but fortunately, the cast album for Mrs. Doubtfire just dropped. So go wherever you find your music, you know, your your streaming services or your Virgin Records if you're uh, in a time machine and travel back to Times Square and get that album because it is great. So Jay is a really cool dude. They are helping break gender barriers when it comes to casting and how we imagine traditional roles. They just came out of a production of Chicago at the Muni where they were playing Velma Kelly. Uh, actually, <laughs> which if you don't remember that role, that was played by Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, back in the movie. So anyway, we get into their their uh, humble beginnings from North Carolina and dealing with um, coming out to parents. And um, Jay has been doing drag for 10 years and now is going into uh, Some Like It Hot this winter. I cannot wait to see them in that show. So without further ado, I'll shut my trap and let you get into the episode. Find me online on Instagram and Twitter, and now on TikTok. And everybody, please enjoy this episode with Jay Harrison G. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's guest is a fellow North Carolina native who has performed all over the world. In 2017, they made their Broadway debut as Lola in Kinky Boots after having traveled the world on the international tour in the same role. You can see them on an HBO episode of High Maintenance and recurring on the Netflix series Raising Dion. They most recently were seen on Broadway alongside Rob McClure and Brad Oscar, two of my favorite people in Mrs. Doubtfire the Musical, which just dropped their cast album, Go Stream It Right Now. And they just finished a run of Chicago at the Muni and will be in the much-anticipated production of Some Like It Hot coming this winter. Jay Harrison G., welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alan. You're welcome. And and I want to actually dive straight into um, something that probably can get a, is going to get a little personal because we were just talking before we were recording about about pronouns because as we're seeing each other uh in the recording this virtual recording medium we get to put in our pronouns and then the bio that i was pulling off of the internet and everything says he but you now you put they them in in uh for your pronouns here in the system and i just want to touch on that because what you were saying about it uh off air was just beautiful so now like you're at this moment where you're like you're like embracing is this a whole new side of you or you're just kind of getting over a a, a a fear of anything or what is it? It's not necessarily a new side. Um, like on my Instagram, my pronouns are he, they. Um, and even, even that confuses people sometimes. They're like, how are you non-binary, but still like identifying with the he side and like just be a... And that's one thing I, I feel like we as a culture and a world need to embrace more is the understanding that everybody's experience is uniquely their own thing. It doesn't have to make sense to other people. 
And so we're conditional. We're conditioned to see things a certain way. It's funny, like the minute I put makeup on, people automatically will give me feminine pronouns. And it's like, why can't I just be a human being and enjoy a cosmetic and a skirt? It doesn't have to be that. <laughs> and so I, I, in sitting here deciding, putting in my name and pronouns, it's just like, no, I'm very much a they, them. I've always felt that way of like, I watch people process me all the time. Even long before I was bold enough to make the fashion choices and the, the presentation I make of myself as a human, people have always kind of double take, double took at me. And I get the, 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 the power I hold in my fluidity and how I present. And so it's like, no, that makes all the sense to be a they, them. Um, but also all things with respect. I do have my feminine side. I do have my more masculine side. And like, I'm not precious about my pronouns in that way of like, only call me they, them or only here, you know? I, I think there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of room to educate people and a lot of room to uh, expand on, uh, I guess, well, I was going to say expand on what pronoun, the definition of, of what pronouns mean to people, right? Because before, in the before times, right? We'll say like before the last decade when all of a sudden, you know, the kids of yesterday became the teens of today. And uh, the, there, were, there were labels. There were men, there were women. There was non-binary starting to come in. There was transvestite. There, like, there's different ways to label people. And I don't know why as a society we find the need to have to categorize everything or label everything. And... And I was uh, one of the first times I really started digging into this and being like, you know what? We don't need labels is when I met Rain Dove. Do you know who they are? Yeah, I, Rain yeah. Dove, a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow Rain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Rain models, supermodels as both masculine and feminine. You know, notice I didn't say man or woman. Like okay. masculine and feminine because they just want to exist. And they, and like you, like you have, we'll, we'll use traditional Western style, right? You've got a, a traditional masculine haircut and a little bit of stubble. And what I can see is probably a beautiful cami, camisole, it's right? A dress, right? Wearing a dress, yeah. Oh, a dress? Yes, you yeah. got a dress on right now and your nails are beautiful. You. So you're just, and you got earrings in and you are a beautiful person, a beautiful human. Thank you that wants to express art and this takes me into what i was going to get in what i originally planned on getting into was your your run of uh at chicago at the muni yeah that just ended because you were velma yeah. which for those who don't know was played by Catherine zeta jones in the movie yeah right so talk to me about this process because i love how not only are we starting to get into colorblind or not starting we've been in colorblind casting sort of for yeah, a while we're yeah. getting there still got a long way to go but now post covid i don't know why it's just right now maybe you can answer this is all of a sudden there's this like gender agnostic uh, casting going on and recasting and and was this company the, the gender swapped company was this something else like how did this even happen where you came in to audition and they were like make them velma of course they're going to be Velma. It, I have to give all the credit to Mike Isaacson, the, the executive producer and artistic director of the Muni. Um, it was an idea he had based on seeing me play Lola at the Muni. Um, the audience there responded beautifully to the show as they have around the world. Kinky Boots is a very special show and it's a, a life-changing thing, not only for audiences, but also for the people doing it. And he had this feeling and this, idea of he saw that he never saw muni audiences respond to a show in such a way and he knew chicago was coming up in a future season and he wanted me to be velma kelly but i had doubtfire at the time so it timing wise wasn't going to work out but he still told me he had this idea and i was like oh that's fierce that's cute whatever it's not happening then we hit the pandemic um and I want to say, yeah, May of last year, I was on a vacation in Vegas and he texted me. It was like, hey, that idea I had, are you still interested? Uh, I was like, sure. 
and timing wise, it just worked out. And it was something he was very adamant about, about seeing the possibility of something new. And especially in St. Louis at the Muni, he was very intentional about wanting to shake things up. And that's what I love about him and the work he's doing there across the board. Um, just thinking outside of the box and, and really pushing the boundaries of if we are artists, if we are creative beings, why can we not just trust that a human being is capable of playing a role? And it's something that I am again, breaking myself up every day of these ways I have been conditioned to see life and experience it and even communicate that thing. Um, I'm very intentional about when working with people of like, these are my favorite humans to work with. I don't necessarily need to gender the people I love and why that's not why I love them. I love them for the human being. They are people like Rob McClure and Brad Oscar, who I adore and that Mm -hmm. special time we spent together doing Doubtfire. Those humans, I truly say it all the time are my favorite humans. I love them. Um, So yeah, it's just, and that's how Velma came along and then being able to be that representation for so many different people um, and getting to experience that around the city and after the show at the stage door, it meant like the world. Well, that was my next question was, was what kind of feedback, what did you hear after, after the productions? Uh, because I, St. Louis is not a place I would think of being like, Oh, this is the most progressive city in the world. But, you know, I also heard stories similarly of, of, uh, of my, my colleagues who were in the, the prom, both on Broadway and um, on the tour of like, people who come to it because they don't know it's about two teenage lesbians trying to just have a relationship. And they're like, well, if I knew what it was, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have come. But now that I came, Oh my God, I want to be, be, you know, I'm going to be an ally all over. Right. Like, do you hear these stories of people like now that I've seen it now that I've experienced it, duh, of course it makes sense. Or I don't need to care about it or it's not a big deal. Like what was your experience with all of that? I mean, funny enough, I never got those experiences of people like, oh, if I knew, because of course, then again, at the Muni, the closest people are 10 yards away. They're probably just like, that's a suspiciously large woman on stage. <laughs> like, I, I have to pat myself on the back. I have good makeup skills. So like, I, the illusion is there. So is the delusion as well. But <laughs> it, it, it goes to show, again, the possibility of a human being playing a role. And watching right. those people experience it, there weren't there, of course, were the faces of like, hmm, what's happening here? But by the end of the show, they're with us because we are telling the story and we're being intentional about it. And then also having moments like I got to one of my favorite things is to be able to be working on my birthday. And so my birthday happened while we were doing the run and we had a pool party that day. And as I was entering the the pool area, one of the attendants was this black gay guy who approached me and was like, hey, are you the person playing Belma Kelly? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I haven't seen the show, but I've seen all the promotional things about it. And he was like, being a gay black man here, born and raised in St. Louis and seeing you do this is everything. He's like, I've always connected to more of the, the feminine songs and like people like Belma. And he was like, this gives me so much hope that like anything is possible. And he's like, he started questioning me. He's like, how do you feel? This is iconic. Like, how do you, like, what does this mean to you? Um, (laughs) Just his joy and his connection to the idea of it happening was so meaningful to me and so affirming in that moment. Um, And so to have those moments like that were, uh, it, it, it reminded me why I do what I do to be able to, to make a difference and to be that representation Yeah, in the world. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. This episode is brought to you by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals, and every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, which is really good for me because 
I don't have time for three minutes. This is New York. I got to keep going. You'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up. This is not just dinner either. It is for breakfast and midday bites as well. It's totally flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And if you're going out of town or just want to take a break, you can pause or reschedule any time. So sign up and save because I've done the math. Factor is actually less expensive than takeout. So head to factormeals.com slash TTP50 and use code TTP50 to get 50% off. That's code TTP50 at factormeals.com slash TTP50 to get 50% off. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why do you do what you do? Because I said fellow North Carolina native. I can't. I come from North Carolina too. Up in up in the foothills. Okay. Near, uh, in, in Wilkesboro, North Wilkesboro. I don't know if okay. you know where that is. Um, but I know you're from North Carolina, and, and that is not a very welcoming place for black or gay men. Exactly. <laughs> um, and reasons I got out at 18, I I refused to get stuck there. Um, because I probably would be a different human being had I stayed in North Carolina. Um, but I knew that there was more for me in the world. And so I found my way out at 18, moved to New York to study musical theater and didn't know what I was getting myself into. I grew up singing in church. My dad's a pastor. So I, again, it was like I had been conditioned a certain way and learned so much growing up. But I was like, there's more in me. And my mother also raised me to understand that my gifts and my talents weren't about me, that my life experience was in service of someone else to be able to help someone else, whether it made sense to other people or not. And so I just knew that there was more for me beyond the borders of, of North Carolina and specifically Fayetteville. Um, so I was like, yep. yeah, I, it's, it's beyond me and I'm just being obedient to the call on my life and the gifts and the things I've been given. And I'm like, okay, this is, as I say, this is my ministry it is, is entertaining and affecting people. And I, I learned that at an early age that I had that, that power. And so I don't take it lightly. And it's something that I'm, I feel charged to do. And it, it grows and it keeps teaching me and, and expanding me in my journey of life. Uh, even the decision of being like, okay, yeah, we're going to type they, them today. And that's with that. But at the same token, tomorrow I could be, go back to saying, no, I'm he, they, or she, they, or like all the things, because there's also power in the fluidity of it all. And I, I, I aim to challenge that and encourage that in other people. Uh, a mantra I live by these days is you have to free yourself to see yourself. People always say, oh, I can never wear that. Oh, I can never do that. No, because you haven't freed yourself to see yourself in that place. I love that. You have to free yourself to be yourself, which is also the motto of my, uh, my nudist colony. But, you know, that's, that's another story. Very nice you. Okay. <laughs> just kidding no it's it's beautiful and i love um that you use the word power uh used it multiple times in a couple different contexts and uh i what what you were what you were touching on in the moment was um you know it's in service of a higher of a higher uh what you say you're in service of others it gives you when you realize you had that power that's yeah. what you said yeah. and and i've said this so many times on this podcast that that my version of spirituality is art it's theater it's performing it's singing it's it's going on this emotional journey with a room of thousands sometimes thousands or even dozens depending on what it is yeah. both are equally powerful strangers that you as the performer get to control and take them to places they didn't know they could go to yeah and that when you said that 
I don't know if anyone's ever used the word power before like that. Because when you said that, it all of a sudden clicked for me. Why so many people do this? Because with so much crap going wrong in the world all the time and feeling helpless and feeling overwhelmed and underwater, whatever the case is, to feel powerful, to feel uh, strength and uniqueness and to feel wanted and needed to stand on stage and be able to command an audience like that. It all just, what you just said there fell all into place for me. Yeah, I, it's it's the thing I I, I have I found I believe in a, in a, in a Q and A with students, and I continue to say it. It's just like to affirm in them that there is power in being an artist. It, we affect people. It's what we do without really trying. Like that art should be effective. It should it should reach the core of a human being and make you think even that much differently. It should make mm-hmm. you feel different than when you came in. And that's powerful. You can change a person's life or even just a moment in their life by sharing art with them. And for it's sharing people, art. It, I don't take it lightly. Yeah, it's sharing art. It's sharing your, your personal stories because you have writers, lyricists, composers who are, who are expressing themselves. They need the catharsis to be able to express themselves. And then uh, I, I think about even recently um, How I Learned to Drive, which is all about... Uh, did you see that, that play, by the way? No. Oh my God, it's so good with Mary Louise Parker and Alyssa May, David Morris. Like the whole the cast is amazing. Um, it's about uh, sexual molestation of a teen girl like it was Paula Vogel's personal story growing up that she put in one of Pulitzer Prize for and put it on paper and now it's this great play that and I've talked with David Morse and with Alyssa May Gold and and the feedback they get and the catharsis that people can find by watching their story being told on stage so publicly uh, and and there's there's also too a little bit of sympathy that you want to give to the bad guy to the to the uncle Right. And because yeah. it's like, uh, it, it's, I mean, that's a whole different story. We're not here to talk about that. But like, my point being that, that by performing, it serves so many purposes for the performers, for the creatives, oh, for yeah. the audience, because the audience needs to get, whether they know it or not, they're going on a journey they need to go on to discover more about themselves. And yeah. I mean, you can get literal like slave play where you sit in the audience and you're staring at yourself. You're looking in the mirror. Literally, yeah. You get literal like that or you can get metaphorical. I mean, even take Doubtfire, right? Because how many kids go through that exact same scenario where by no fault of their own, their family's just all of a sudden torn apart? Yeah. And not even not even just kids. We got, um, it's funny, at the end of the, the show, Rob leads, reads a letter to Katie and he got a letter from a fan who saw the show, whose name was Katie, who was a grown adult and her parents had just divorced. And she wow. had her feelings and she was like, you were speaking to me. I am the Katie in the show. But like, it's so crazy that it would line up that way. And it's, I have, I feel so blessed to have experienced similar things of like, Kinky Boots was very parallel to my real life. Doubtfire is also parallel. My parents separated in 2019. So to mm. get that show and then start doing this, I was like, okay, great. This add that to the tab of ministry and like how I connect to this thing and can be effective in this world. Um, and even looking ahead to some like it hot and the journey that I have in that show and what I'm excited to share with people is, is where I am in life. And so I'm excited to be able to share this power and this expansion of understanding with people. That's beautiful. I uh, Kinky Boots, it's funny you mentioned that um, like I said, Parallel Your Life. Did did that have any impetus to start uh, performing in drag? Because I, I was reading that you recently celebrated your 10 years as a drag artist. Yeah, I was doing drag before Kinky Boots. Um, oh, really? Oh, long before. I started playing, I was working at Tokyo Disney. Uh, I would go home and play in makeup and cr- I created this drag persona and I used to do drag shows all over New York and um, so it was a part of my life, but it was secret. My parents didn't know. My family didn't know. My mom was the only one who knew for a long time, but she called me a prostitute for doing it. and asked. <laughs> me doing it was a whole thing. And my mother is one of my biggest supporters, but it, that at the time was devastating. Um, 
And when I got kinky boots, my dad made a joke one time. It was like, oh, you get paid to imitate drag queens. That's fun. Just don't bring any wigs home. And I was like, mm. oh, we need to talk, sir. <laughs> the time has come for you to laugh. <laughs> and I, so I had to sit him down before seeing the show and show him pictures and be like, no, actually, this is the part of my ministry. And and so in that in those words helped him understand a little bit better. And then seeing the show and seeing the mirror that was us having to see not my father's son and hold me in your heart. And it was that show, the whole experience was therapy for me. Wow. Like I had full moments of like breakdown on stage. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I, like I vividly specific cities, specific moments. I can like fall back into that moment and be like, oh no, like full conductor is holding like, uh, you okay? Can we? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I, it's, it's, I can relate coming from North Carolina. Um, I cannot relate. I cannot relate to, you know, I am a white straight cis male. There are so many things I cannot relate to. What I was saying I can't relate to was just being in the environment of North Carolina. Cause I, 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 I don't know. I experienced my own form of, of bigotry as well that I'm not even going to try to compare to, to anything else because it's completely different. But um, I, I imagine like when you're around people, I'm talking about your parents, when you're around your, your, your peers, your church, your, uh, your, your whole support system believes a certain way. And then all of a sudden, someone so close to you that you love, your own flesh and blood, your kids, right? All of a sudden do something that originally you thought was completely wrong and immoral because you had nothing else to tell you otherwise mm -hmm. and you just went with it. I, I, I guess from a, a purely a scientifically high, high level uh, psychological view, I want to say, like it makes sense as to why they would do it, but still experiencing it probably, I mean, not probably, definitely feels like shit. You said it was devastating yeah. when your mom calls you a prostitute. Like, where, like the, to equate putting on a dress with getting paid to have sex, that, why does that compute? It right? That doesn't make sense. She was asking me, and it was so funny because she like fully typed up a letter and sent it in the mail. Not an email, not a text, not a call. Like typed it up, like sat down and like put a stamp on it and sent it to me. It was like, what are you doing for this money? Uh, like, are you pro like what? And I'm like, mom, I'm entertaining people. And also this is that began my understanding of drag, not just drag, but like how entertaining is a part is my ministry. Um, I was like the, the therapeutic moments I would have with people who would come to my drag shows, who would break down to me and be like, I needed this tonight because this is going on in my life and blah, blah, blah. And like having full like therapy sessions with people while I'm in full drag, like, what? Ah. And trying to fight it, but it always happening and being like, oh no, this is, this is effective. This is my ministry. This is where I am useful in the world. This is how I am effective and how I can reach souls in drag. Things hmm. I never imagined were going to be my ministry. People have been saying I was a little minister since I was a kid. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 whatever but I didn't know it would be in this way on these kinds of stages, literally. Right. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. I love the, the, I mean, you kept saying ministry. I was going to bring that up, but no, you, you confirmed it. Yeah. It's like, it's your form of preaching. It's your form of teaching. It's your form of connection, right? Cause ministry at the end of the day is trying to lead people down a forward path of progress. Yeah. And, and that's what you've been doing. And I mean, therapy, therapy, God, everybody needs therapy. Um, <laughs> the show, right? And I guess there are so many walls and guardrails and masks that we go through when we're around certain groups of people in certain situations at your job, at your school, at that restaurant, on that street, at this time of day, in this particular country, at this particular time, right? There's all these different switches you got to flip to try to to survive. And this is unconscious lizard brain evolution tactics, right? Like sure, this is yeah. just, you know, you want to blend in because that way you survive. And the, the, the drag shows, the performing, the being on stage 
it, it gives people freedom. I'm equating this. I'm trying in a very piss poor way of trying to equate this to, <laughs> to your ministry, the way you're talking about ministry, because it gives people that freedom to all of a sudden say, I don't need to be myself anymore. I'm going to be someone I like better. Yeah. Again, free yourself to see yourself beyond the limitations you've been taught, beyond the limitations you've placed on yourself. I've never loved a label or a limit since I was a kid. And it's be, it, it's the understanding and the awareness that we put labels on people for someone else's compartmentalization of us or a thing to make sense of for someone else. But even in that, you still have to explain like, oh, my non-binary existence is this thing for me, but that doesn't equate it to the same thing for so-and-so over there. Or well, one person's trans experience is not somebody else's trans experience. Mm-hmm. And so even when labeling somebody as trans, for some people, that's like, great, put them all over there in that box together. But you're like, no, 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 no. Those are individual experiences that you have to honor each and every one of them. There's, and there's transvestite, there's transsexual there. And there is, uh, I actually had explained this to my dad, who was a open-minded, very smart man once that gender identity does not equal gender preference. So you're like, you could put on a dress and still love men. And then you wear traditional men, male clothes and still love men. Putting on a dress doesn't mean you all of a sudden switch your sexual preference. If you even had a specific binary preference in the first place. Exactly. Right. No, but it, it is very that. Yeah. Cause I, I, in explaining to my father what drag was for me, he was like, wait, so this means I was like, I do this as a part of my job. This is an extension of me as an artist. I do not want to become a woman. That is not my goal, you know, and that is a journey for some people. That is their their doorway to becoming trans or whatever their situation is. And for me, it was like, no, this is just an extension of who I am. It was also an excuse for me to play in cosmetics. And now I'm like, I also don't need drag to do that. As RuPaul says, we're all born naked. The rest is drag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that a lot. Take your drag every day. Like. I am, I am a, like I said, cis, white, straight, white dude. I said white three, four times now. Um, and I have always loved when, like, when my female friends have been like, let me put makeup on you. Let's have some fun. And I was like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I look good in makeup. I have way too much stubble, but I can see why the appeal of putting on makeup. Or, or I went, you know, if, you know, my kids for whatever reason want to paint my nails. I'm like, okay, I'll just you know, I'll let it. it is, I'll let it go. It is freeing. It is. It, it is fun to watch people, no matter what their orientation is. If they, I love watching people get put in makeup because give them five to ten minutes, and you will see this freedom come out in them that you're, they're like, yes, I don't know where this came from, and you're like, because you just freed yourself that <laughs> you have been told you could only fit over here in this box. But it's like, no, put on a little concealer or whatever the thing is that like brings you joy. That's interesting. Now, I've always had bad skin. So now I I think I just want to start. I'll start doing some concealer. Why not? Why not? Right. Um, when I was yeah on stage, you do it all the time anyway. You put in your foundation foundation and your guideliner and, no. you know, all your other things that you need to do. That's also all sorts of fun. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, which is really good for me because... I don't have time for three minutes. This is New York. I got to keep going. You'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up. This is not just dinner either. It is for breakfast and midday bites as well. It's totally flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And if you're going out of town or just want to take a break, you can pause or reschedule any 
time. So sign up and save because I've done the math. Factor is actually less expensive than takeout. So head to factormeals.com slash TTP50 and use code TTP50 to get 50% off. That's code TTP50 at factormeals.com slash TTP50 to get 50% off. So Doubtfire. Yeah. I love Andre. Your character of Andre was just sassy and hot and was so much fun. Talk to me about the uh the development of Andre and your journey into Doubtfire in the first place, because the show has had two had two restarts. Oh. Right. But before before that, right, like uh how how did Andre come about? in terms of adapting what was already there in the movie and, you know, all of that situation. There truly was nothing that, like, I was told I needed to match from the movie energy or, or storyline. And there wasn't much anyway. They had, like, the one scene in the movie. So it was just, we had the freedom to create this world and this couple and this relationship. And getting to play opposite Brad Oscar was a gift to be able to call that man my husband. Like, I feel like I'm a third in their marriage, like his real marriage. <laughs> I love him and I understand him. He, that man taught me so much on and off stage about relationship, about love, about seeing a human being for who they are. And that man has a beautiful heart. So getting to play opposite him as husbands on stage was just like easy in the sense of we just related to each other and found and built that relationship. And then Jerry Zachs directing us and, and having that, that net of safety of trust was just like, we came to work every day, like, all right, let's play. Let's find this thing. What is the story we're telling? As long as we're truthful with our through line of what we're doing, we can't go wrong. And then also Rob McClure is our like leader. It was just like, Let's just go balls to the wall, truly, <laughs> because Rob was so open and free to to play every day. And we did some ridiculous things in the room, in the rehearsal studio. We tried a lot of crazy things. But we I bet. allowed ourselves that that freedom to go there and to be like, OK, now look, let's pull it back. Let's pull it back. That, that was too far. Or like I, that didn't serve us the way it's funny, but it doesn't serve us the way we need in this moment. And so if that's what how we built that together and finding that every day was truly a masterclass. And my favorite part of the process were our note sessions after a, a, a run or after a show with Jerry to really sit and like have conversations and to watch even the growth for him. This was his 25th Broadway show directing. And he would acknowledge his moments of, old Jerry would have said or done a certain thing in response to that. He was like, no, we're not doing that now. This is where we are now and in this time, and I'm better than that, or we are better than that, or whatever it is, and being open to like, okay, this is a lot. I'm learning in this moment. Even his, uh, again, talk about people processing me. I, I felt comfortable showing up to work as myself. So the things I wore, you know, maxi dresses or jumpsuits or whatever, and Jerry being like, I could never, but you look amazing. Like <laughs> that's like wonderful. And and having that 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 safe space to really be true to who we are as individuals and bring that into the work really helped us cultivate and create that that world and that story. That's another reason I, I strongly feel that people, you know, out, outcasts and misfits. To, to use a, a you know some colloquial terms, right, are attracted to to performing to the arts, to theater, because you've got people who, uh, whether it's kink, sexual, or otherwise, or you know, like they want to experiment with makeup or dresses or whatever the case is. When you have a place where you're literally getting paid to dress up as animals, or uh, or you're acting like a building, or you know, like you're you're going off the wall in ways that you could never do in, in corporate life yeah. in normal America, normal, you know, normal, any country for that matter. Right. You're like you said, free yourself to be yourself. And there are so many people who are so afraid of what could happen if they say what's on their mind, if they dress how they want to dress, if they do what they want to do, but then you turn the lights out and you, 
put a spotlight on them and all of a sudden everything's safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's 100%. I mean, why originally I got in because it was like, I had this weird affinity for sports, but then I also love to sing, but then I didn't like the guys in sports teams because all they want is like a oh, beer crushing, crushing beer on your head. You know, yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I didn't care about that. I, I wanted to kick soccer balls and dance and sing. And I found that the athleticism on the stage, right? And that, that yeah. was what was, that was really important. And then it's, it's just people who are accepting, accepting and loving. And like you were talking about the energy, the journey, the connection you have with people and trust. I guess that's what it is, right? Cause you've got, you're talking about uh, kinky boots when you are breaking down to the point where the conductor is vamping cause you can't, stop crying for a second that is a level of intimacy and exposure that you are trusting your entire cast with night after night after night and that bonds people together in a way that you cannot get in oh, yeah. most other ways oh yeah and then like you said for all that doubt fire had has been through pre-pandemic then shutting down opening shut like all the back and forth of it all we are forever bonded in such a way because we've lived through trauma together. Yeah. And we really have that, that through line that we're like, these humans understand me in a way for so many reasons. And, and even when we came back um, in the fall of last year and how we got back to work, not just jumping back into the world and being like, okay, we're just going to do what we did before. And we came back and I, I thank Kevin McCullum, our producer, for how we got back to work. The first couple of days of work were just equity, diversion, and inclusion training and honoring what we had experienced. Our first thing we did was sit down with therapists on a Zoom screen of being like, okay, you all have, we have lost a cast member. Somebody died during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, we have sat through 18 months of not doing this thing and like you've sat in your feelings. Let's put things out on the floor and let's talk. Let's address you all as human beings before artists, before dancers, sing, whatever, let's just talk about what you have experienced and make sure that you are seen and understood for what you've gone through. Before jumping back to reading a script, uh, singing a note, let's do that. As you were, as you were saying that, I, this is, this is the, the, the protections, the habits that we've formed over time to protect ourselves, right? I, I, had, I felt a swell of emotion coming up and I immediately squashed it. I squashed it down because I needed to continue this interview in normal, normal composed fashion. But it, it just occurred to me. So what that means to me is that I got some unprocessed COVID feelings I need to deal with. And I, I actually love that you guys got to talk about that as a collective unit at, and dealing with everything. I mean, obviously in like two to three days, you can't deal with everything that you're going through as much as everyone should. But to not just be like, all right, flip a switch, we're back. My question, though, is for you is like now, you know, we're recording this in June 2022. And, and a lot of stuff's just happened in June 2022. Um, it, so the world is kind of flipping upside down, especially this country. But then there's also the people on the other hand who are like, well, just get back to normal. Go back to the office. Do what you're, you're going to do. Mask mandate optional now. Whatever. Let's just go back and do what we're doing. How, how are you feeling? Are you are you feeling conflicted? Or is do you see both sides of this where you're like you're able to process this? You've got the a little bit of the tooling and the training and the and discussion and the support group where at the same time you're like, oh, but where's my next job coming from? I gotta pay my rent. I mean, of course, but at the same token, anybody who's operating in the old software, it's very evident. And it's it it, it Moving forward, I'm just very conscious. And I already was in a way of, and this was something, I, again, I was grateful for, June of 2020, um, top, you know, top of the pandemic, uh, Kevin McCullum sat down with all of the, the Black cast members to have conversations with us to get our perspective hmm. of working in this industry. And this was long before we thought we knew we were getting back to work. But he wanted to get our perspective of our experience in this world and, and what we were going through to have a better understanding of how to make the world in which we worked safe and comfortable for us. 
And wow. in that conversation, I, I, my input to that was we have to live in a world of conscious sensitivity. The awareness that every human being has their own existence that they bring to every moment and that their response to any given circumstance could have nothing at all to do with you as a human or what that is, but a trauma or something connected beyond our understanding. So we have to be conscious and sensitive to that human being's existence. And so I think that helped us move forward and even our training coming back to work of just being like, right, we're humans. We don't have to do the show must go on because that's how it's always worked. No, people need a mental health day. People need a like, I'm not coming in today because I'm just not coming in today. Mm -hmm. And that is how yeah. we began coming back to work. That was very much the, the, the energy of like, we're not operating as we did before. The old normal is not how we carry forward. I love that. And I think a lot of people need to take a cue from that because there's a lot of people in this industry that are just like, well, let's just take the mask mandate back. No vaccinations required. Let's just get back and not care about the long-term effects of anything. And we can't go back to what it was. It wasn't no. working before. It wasn't and in so many ways. And so again, it's, it's very evident when people have not done the work for themselves to be better. Yeah. And then yeah, it's on us as individuals to assess, am I willing to sign up for this and continue forward? Or do I bow out gracefully and say, thank you for your time, but this is not going to work. And, That's, and that takes, have to, yeah. That takes, that takes a lot of strength. Because when, especially in this business, when there's 10,000 people right behind you who want to step into right where you are, for you to walk away from something out of principle is huge. Yeah. And, and that's everyone, if everyone started doing that, we'd get a lot more change a lot faster. Oh, for sure. And then also the understanding of uh, being authentically yourself, it sounds so cliche, but being authentically yourself at any given moment can also make a difference in the world. I, yeah. I said for the longest time, I wasn't a political person. I didn't vote. I stayed far away from it. As a teenager, I had done uh, a youth legislative assembly in North Carolina where we were the Senate and wrote bills. And it, like some of those bills went on to actual Senate. But I think experiencing that as a teenager and watching the nepotism and the, the energy and a lot of the things happening, I was like, Ooh, I want no part of this. And top of the pandemic, I had this revelation and it was confirmed even more so by a lot of things that Toni Morrison, uh, African-American writer, has said about as artists, our existence is innately political. Hmm. As an artist, you are, you can't say you're not political because what we do is, uh, is a reflection of the times. We are the mirror to show people how to be better, show them what's wrong. And so in that moment, I realized as a black queer human being on this planet, if I leave the confines of my apartment, I'm making a political statement. So that's why I choose to walk in authenticity at all times. I don't put on a dress for the sake of being like, look at me. It's like, no, I do this because it brings me joy, but also I was about to, I was about to curse, but I'll go for it. But I, I was like, fuck what you know and fuck what you've learned. This 6'4 black human being can be beyond what you think it can be. And so can you. And so that's why it's like I choose, you know, to walk in the fullness of who I am at all times to hopefully encourage that in somebody else. Well, obviously, it's working. If you got, you know, what the one person who did come up to you, there's probably dozens more who who didn't have the courage but still felt something. I mean, that that's what I I'm always trying to tell myself and others, right? For the one person who does have the courage to come up and say something, they're representing so many people who feel something. But you know, again, they're afraid to say something positive. It's yeah. it's kind of crappy. It's kind of crappy that the people that you hear from more often are the ones who are jerks who want to try to bring you down. Yeah. It stinks. And that's it all stinks. I aim for in this world. It's like, if I reach one person, my job is done. Yep. Yep. And it's like one person, then the next person, then the next person. And then yep. eventually you got an army of love that's, that's alongside with you. Oh, for sure. 
So three questions I ask everybody to wrap up every episode. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? Love. I literally, like uh, one of my taglines I say at the end of all my lives on Instagram is do everything in life with intention and purpose, but most importantly with love. Leading with love is what drives me in all that I am and all that I do. Um, yeah. All right. Next question then. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? You can do everything you put your mind to. You just have to find a place to start. Oh, oh, beautiful. Because what I've learned is successful people have their hands in everything. And so don't limit yourself to being one thing. Be multi-hyphenate. Like you can do all the things. The hyphens will come, but just find a place to start. Like I have so many ideas and things in my mind that I've always wanted to be and do. And I just found a place to start with entertaining and being an artist and, you know. I'm just grinning from ear to ear. That's beautiful. All right. So last question. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? The Wiz. <laughs> I would be like, oh, that's so hard. But like that that show, and I would love to see like a live production of it. I've never seen like a staged version of it. I've been in one. That was, I think, what started me actually deciding to be in theater. Um, in 10th grade, we did a production of The Wiz and I was the Tin Man. And it's always been like my favorite movie musical. Like I like I love it. So if I could watch that for the rest of my life, hmm. yeah. I love it. All right. Where can we find you on social media? Everywhere at J Harrison G. J G H E E G H E E. Yeah. G E G. Yeah. Pronounced G. That's right. Yeah. You can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Uh, where else am I on TikTok? I just started on TikTok. Me, I don't know what I'm doing. That's fun at the theater podcast. This has been edited by Well Random Hoodlum Productions. Jukebox the Ghost gave us our intro and outro music. Jay, thank you so much for this conversation. I really had a good time. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.